Welcome to Four Corners. My name's Ben. I am so glad you're here. You caught us on the third week of our Seaworthy message series. And what we're talking about is making sure that we're fully ready for all that God has for us. We believe around here that God has a plan for your life that is crazy, exciting, wild, awesome, good. It's better than anything you could ask or imagine. And that what he wants to do is get us fully ready for that. Because here, here, here's a spiritual truth. God doesn't just want to get you to the place he's trying to get you to go to. He wants to develop you fully so that when you get there, you're ready to live it, enjoy it, and thrive in it. So he puts us on a journey of development. It's called discipleship. He's molding us and making us into the image of Christ. And in this message series, what we're doing is we're asking a basic question. God, are there some things you'd like for me to take inventory on? Are there some things you'd like me to ask myself about and kind of see where I am? Now, here's the big picture. Here's the metaphor we're using. Like those big ships you saw being launched out into the ocean, major investment of time and energy and resources. Well, long before they let them go out into the open seas to do their thing, they test all the subsystems, the electrical system, the propulsion system, the fire suppression system, the, the water displacement system. They, they test all of those things out because they don't want to make this massive investment, put all this energy into it, have a significant hope and desire that the ship will one day do something great, and then release it into the open seas and watch it fail. In the same way, God is giving us opportunity in this service and in our lives to ask some very honest questions of ourselves, to make sure that we have some key things in place. So, so far in this message series, we've talked about having deep faith, deep faith, deep faith, not faith in faith, not faith in positive thinking, not just a simple hope that things get better, but a faith in the character of God that he's good, and that what he wants for us is good, and that his plan for us is good, and he can be trusted because he's powerful, and he's great. And then we, we talked about the need for personal spiritual development, and the need that we all have to engage spiritual disciplines like prayer, and scripture reading, and giving. And in doing those things, what we're doing is making sure that we are being the vessel that God is preparing to use and launch out into the open seas. And today, I'm going to talk with you about one of God's greatest gifts. God's heart for you is good. He loves you. He is the father who gives good gifts to his kids. And he has given us an incredible gift in friendship. This gift is powerful. It's great. It's an amazing gift. I bet right now, whether you're an older believer in Jesus, a young believer in Jesus, or not a believer in Jesus at all, you're not even sure what you think about church and all this faith stuff, I bet you can point to people in your life who weren't necessarily just family, and they weren't clergy in a church or even a teacher, but you can point to friends who had a significant impact on your life. And if we wanted to divide the category further, we could find friends who had a significant positive influence on our life. And we could probably all find friends. I had a couple who had significant negative impact on my life. Now, if you're a parent in the room, you're going to relate to a lot that I'm talking about because you're starting to think about friends when you had a kid in a different category than you ever thought before. Before you were parents and you were just people, normal people, you thought about friends in the same way that your kids think about friends, largely most of us anyway did. But once you had kids, you started thinking about not just your kids, but the impact that the people around your kid was going to have on your kid. That's the most natural thing in the world for parents. Parents, don't you wish <laughs> that your kids could understand how important friendships are in their life and the role they can play? Now, I, I know that I'm, I'm, a I'm a dad. I have four kids, and I, I, 
Out of all the lessons I want to teach my, my, my kids about Jesus and church and the scriptures and God, one of the things I want them to understand is that friendships are incredibly powerful. God has given us this incredible gift of friendships. And today, you and I have an incredible opportunity to take a quick inventory and say, what is the quality? What is the quality of my friendships? Uh, what's the tone and tenor of my friendship? What, what is that like? How, how is that working for me? And if you're a believer in Jesus, how am I honoring God in my friendships? What is God accomplishing through my friendships. And if you're not a believer in Jesus, there's going to be a lot of practical stuff you can benefit from. You should know, though, that a lot of us in this room, we're not just trying to be better people. We're trying to be molded and shaped into the image of Jesus. We believe that's what his goal in our lives is. And in doing that, then he gets us ready to experience the life that he meant for us to have all along, a life that is greater, more super, more spectacular than anything we can ask or imagine. Now, what I want us to rally around today is a simple truth that says this. God uses our relationships with people to impact our faith in him. God uses our relationships with people to impact our faith in him. Again, parents, you've seen this in the life of your kids, but before you had kids, if you're not a parent in the room, go back to when you were a little bit younger. Think about the people that God has put in your life. When I was in high school, ninth, ninth grade or so, and I was beginning to embark on that journey towards adulthood, whatever that fully looks like. Not sure I've fully arrived yet at all, but, and I don't need any amens on that, please, right now. My, my ego is a little fragile. But when I was in about ninth grade and I launched out, God sent a friend into my life. We had a very similar background. His parents were really into church. My parents were really into church. His parents made sure he was really into church. My parents tried to make sure I was really into church. And in a time of significant question and transition and growth and change, this friend became my best friend, and he generally brought out the good in me. We had some similar values. We generally wanted to go in the same direction. But having a guy who understood me, lo loved me, like a friend would love me, and accept me right where I was, was a hugely powerfully positive, impacting relationship in my life. When I was in my youth group growing up in church, God took a, a, just a normal, ordinary guy, not a pastor, just a normal guy, and said, I have a little bit of extra time to, to invest, and he decided to invest some of that time in me. I didn't realize it at the time. I thought he just wanted to have some fun with me. He owned a go-kart track, and he let me come over and ride his go-karts, and he had some motorcycles. It, I just went because it was fun and awesome, and yet this guy saw it as an opportunity to invest in me, and he began to speak into my life, and because of the friendship that was developing, and because he saw his role in my life as important and one of influence, he began to, and those conversations with him, the camaraderie I had with him, the spending time with him as opposed to other things that could have been significantly positive and powerful in my life. When I started thinking about ministry, God gave me these providential relationships with other pastors that were further down the road than me. And they invested in me. We spent time together. Sometimes we just had coffee together and we would talk about stuff and how we knew we were called and how do you manage the emotions and how do you keep from just being, well, totally consumed by what people think about you. And we would talk about these things and those friendships pulled me in the right direction. On the other side of the coin, you, you do know this, right? That every time God gives us a great and powerful gift like friendship, if there's an enemy of your soul, we call him the devil, Satan, the accuser, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, whatever you want to call him. We believe that there's a, a, an enemy of your soul that every good gift God wants to give, he raises up an antithesis, the other side of the coin. And when God gives a gift that he wants to bring life to you, the enemy's plan, the enemy of your soul's plan is for it to use that thing to bring death to you. 
When God wants to deposit blessing in your life, the enemy wants to steal it. That's his goal for you. And so if friendship is such a powerful force for good in our lives, and if it can accomplish so much in our lives, then it would be normal for the enemy to want to raise up the other side of that equation and use that same powerfully, potentially powerful force in our lives to bring about our destruction and our downfall and, our dis- and, and, and to, dis- to dis- destroy every bit of potential that God has in our life. And so on the other side of the coin, while I've had incredibly powerfully positive friends in my life, I've had some that weren't so fond of my development. In fact, they weren't really all that concerned about me, but we had fun together. And I, in various points of my life, traded fun and a sense of acceptance and forgot all the other things uh, and maybe hadn't even grown to even think about all the other things that God wanted to do and I needed to do about life because the fun and the acceptance was so present in me and it didn't take me to someplace positive. I I bet, I bet you have stories just like that. I bet you can point to friends that you have that you know and you've seen this dynamic in their life. It's been incredibly positive and at the same time, friendships have the potential to be destructive. And so God, who loves us, doesn't want us to be ignorant about these dynamics. So he's given us, in the pages of the Bible, wisdom, black and white, simply understood wisdom, that even the youngest children sometimes can understand these basic truths about life. And while they're simple to understand, sometimes they're incredibly hard to live out. Sometimes it takes us a lifetime to get it right. And sometimes there's a lot of failures before we ever begin to click in the right direction. So I want to take you to one passage of scripture today. Just one. Now, I could have found a hundred passages of scripture, but I want to take you to one. It's in your New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Now, it's not my custom to just give you one verse, and that's like all the Bible we do, because around here, Bible's central to what we do. It's the word of God, more important than Ben's words, more important than your words. We submit and we lean towards the will of God revealed in the Word of God, but by using one verse today, I want you to understand that I just picked one of literally a hundred that all basically say the same thing, that all give the same clear, obvious wisdom to us. And so today's challenge, probably, my my hunch is, it's not going to be a challenge of understanding. This is not going to be over your head. Today's challenge is going to be, do you have the boldness, do I have the boldness to ask that very honest question? God What is the quality of my friendships? Where are we? Where is this leaning me toward? What is the quality of my friendships? Where where is it taking me? We have an incredible opportunity to do that today. And as believers in Jesus begin to set things correctly according to his agenda for our lives so he can launch us out into the open seas. Well, by now you should have 1 Corinthians chapter 15 open. If not, on the side screens, here's what it says. One verse. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. This sounds like my parents talking. Let me tell you who was talking. The Apostle Paul, who loved this church in the city called Corinth. That's why the letter he wrote to them is called Corinthians. And he wrote them this letter as a leader, almost taking on the role as a father, saying, there's some challenges I want you to be aware of. So he wrote to them on a wide range of topics. They were an incredibly wonderful church, growing church, vibrant church, alive and exciting church, and they were full of problems and challenges because you know what? Whenever you bring people together and we're human, you're human, I'm human, we bring them all together, there are going to be challenges. And one of the challenges Paul, this 
father, pastor, leader who had a great heart for these people, didn't have anything negative, didn't want to control them, but wanted them to experience God's best. One of the things he wanted them to understand was friendships are incredibly powerful in your life. And don't be deceived, don't be duped. That if you're not careful with the power of friendships, you can be misled. You can, it can take you down the road you don't want to go. It can take me down a road I don't want to go. He was operating on this idea that your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. To a large extent, they will. Now, I used to teach high school, and when I would talk to high schoolers about these principles contained in God's Word, every one of them sat there and heard me, and they could think of a friend that needed to hear this message. They thought of a friend who had made poor choices, who was with another group of friends, and probably they hadn't been around him, and they could really, really see how this applied to somebody else. So a lot of those high school kids that I chatted with had a hard time seeing how that this passage and all the teaching in the Bible about friendship and how, about making wise choices with friends and how friends have impact on your life, intended and unintended impact on your life, they had a hard time interpreting all of that teaching and applying it to their own lives. It takes a certain amount of intentionality it takes a leaning in towards maturity to really ask a very simple question. Is this particular friendship bringing out good in me, or is this particular friendship bringing out the bad in me? It takes maturity to ask that question. And here's what I've discovered when I used to teach high school. Not every high school kid's ready to ask that question, because there's other agendas on their mind we'll talk about in a moment. But in now, in almost 10 years of pastoring this church, nine years publicly, and a year before we launched big, and in a lot of pastoring in other churches before being here, here's what I've discovered. It's not just teenagers that have a hard time with that question. Sometimes it's just adults. And I, I know that adolescence begins somewhere around 10, 11, 12, 13. And I think it ends somewhere around 40, 50, right? Isn't that about right? Isn't that about, about when adolescence ends? I don't know when it fully ends. But that becoming adult stage, one of the things we have to wrestle with is just the role of friendship. But on a spiritual level, it's even more important because God has given us these incredibly war powerful words of wisdom contained in the Bible because he didn't want us to be ignorant about it. He didn't want us to get caught up. He didn't want the enemy's plans for us to run havoc in your life and produce seeds and plant seeds in your life that would produce a fruit of pain and, 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 and destruction for the rest of your life. So he comes to us in the, Paul's words here, and he says, look, don't, don't be deceived. Now, bad company, hanging around with the wrong kinds of people, that's going to corrupt you. It's going to rub off on you. In other places, uh, the writers of the Old Testament, for instance, in the book of Proverbs said it this way, that if you walk with the wise, you're going to become wise. But a companion of fools is going to suffer harm. Now, the cool thing is, is if you walk with the wise, you get to be wise. The idea here is the principle that it rubs off on you. Your friendships are powerful. They have influence on your life. You open your heart to people. You give them your ear. They have influence. And if you're walking with people, generally going, it's going to work well for you. But if you hang around what the Bible calls fools, now listen, that's not state, a statement of quality about somebody's worth. All of us are equal before God. The smartest person and the most foolish person are equal in value to God. He loves us all the same. He's a great father who knows how to love everybody with intense love. So when the Bible calls person a fool, it's not talking about their value or worth. It's talking about the consequences of their thought process. Specifically, the fool in the Bible is a person who can't discern right and wrong. 
They can't discern, if I do this, it's going to bring harm. If I do this, it's going to displease God. If I do this, it's going to sow seeds that are going to bring pain into my life. The fool has no ability to do that. So the Bible talks about the wise person who can see right and wrong. They can begin to anticipate, if I go down this path, it's going to take me to this place. And they begin to make decisions in light of where it's likely to take them. So the Bible talks about the wise. The Bible talks about the fool. But then it talks about the scoffer or the cynic. And whereas the fool can't discern right and wrong, here's what the cynic does. The cynic goes, yeah, I see it. I just don't care. For whatever reason, I don't care about it. I don't care about you. I don't care about the consequences. I can see it. I have the ability. I have knowledge. But I'm not applying that knowledge to my life because of some emotional disconnect. And so the Bible encourages us to walk with wise people, surround ourselves with wise people, to have friends in our inner circle who are wise because their wisdom will rub off on us because friendships are powerful. This is true in high school kids. Mom, Dad, you know I'm telling the truth right now, right? Aunts, uncles, grandparents, you know I'm telling the truth. You've seen it. But don't you see it now more than you used to? But if you're in high school in here or maybe in junior high or in college, I'm telling you, this dynamic doesn't stop the moment you turn 18. It's not like when you turn 18, you can go, yeah, all my friends are doing this stuff, but I'm going to be insulated and do my own thing. Their life isn't going to impact mine. That's not at all what happens. No, the people we hang around with set the tone and tenor of our lives. And the friends, the people you choose to let into your circle, they are going to determine to a large degree the direction and the quality of your life. I used to say, say to my high school students, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. That's why it was important to me as a parent to make sure that my kids hung around kids who largely took academics relatively seriously. I didn't need them all to be eggheads or wear pocket protectors, but I needed them. A few engineers are groaning in the room. I get it. Okay, it's okay. But I needed them on some level to be, because even if my kids weren't as bright as others, I knew that by hanging around them, there would be a culture of expectations set around academics, and they would catch it even more than I could teach the value of it. I wanted my kids, when they hung around other kids, to have friends who generally respected their parents, the way they talk to them and act with them. Because I noticed in my kids, <laughs> when they hang around kids that don't generally respect their parents and the way they talk about the parents and the way they talk to their parents, it's like really... I noticed that somehow that begins to creep into the vocabulary and the tone of my kid's life. And while I can't control everything my kid does, I can, as a parent... Try to manage some of the environments that they're in. Now, now listen, parents, have you ever done this? You drive home and you see your kids playing in the yard and they're playing with that one friend. And when you see them playing with that one friend, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that's a good one. Don't have to worry. And, then, and then maybe the next day you drive home and they're playing with that other kid. And you're like, oh, God, Jill, call the prayer team. Honey, please. <laughs> we have Damien in the backyard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you that not just for kids, though. You know, the Bible says that all the way through our lives, friends are incredibly powerful. I wouldn't be where I am in all the good stuff in me. And I'm not perfect. I'm not everywhere I need to be. But for whatever is good in me and wherever I'm honoring God, almost in every place that that's happening, there has a, been a person, a providential relationship that God brought into my life. And I was open to it. And I participated with him. And it brought about good things. It opened doors for me. It shut other doors for me, and it helped propel me to that place that God wanted me to be. And everywhere I look, 
and I made stupid and dumb decisions, and almost every one of them, there was a friend there encouraging me along the way. Think of you, uh, think if you will, those of you that have habits that you'd like to break, bad ones, bad habits. Did you start smoking by yourself, or were you doing it with a friend? No judgment here at all, but just let's just be honest. We're having a safe conversation about some tough stuff. Those of you that, that maybe you drink a little too much, your first drinks, were you stealing them by yourself? vast majority of people had their first drinks that for many of them became a bad pattern of behavior that became a habit, and for some people now they can't break it. It began around friends. Friendship is powerful. Here's what I know. That by surrounding yourself with healthy friendships, you will avoid the pitfalls that come with the unhealthy ones. And you'll set a positive direction for life, a life of quality and depth. One of the most powerful things you can do to affect the quality of your life is be intentional and think about the role a particular friend has in your life. It's incredibly spiritual. It's incredibly practical. In fact, I would suggest to you, you may not believe me, that everything that is spiritual is incredibly practical. We just haven't thought about how or why yet. But when it comes to friendship, the Bible is crystal clear. Life wisdom is crystal clear. Most grandparents who are wise would tell you friendship is powerful. Here's why. Because God who loves us and is good, God uses our relationships with people to impact our faith in him. So it begs the question. Intentionality, will this be your path to pursue right relationships? Or are you going to just go with the flow of culture? Culture will rarely encourage you to think about the quality of a particular friendship. Culture will rarely encourage you to think about being wise in who you let into your circle of influence. No, culture just kind of goes. And culture doesn't encourage the cultivation of deep, meaningful friendships that are going with people that are going in the same direction. It doesn't encourage that. Think about how our culture is wired. We are busy we're emotionally empty. We have very little room in our calendars, in our hearts to let other people in. We're kind of closed off often to, to new relationships. We keep looking to the same structures we've had to satisfy our new journey that we're on, the new leg of the journey that we're on. There's nothing in culture that encourages you to develop deep and meaningful friendships around values that really matter. If you're a believer, around biblical values. Do you remember this commercial? Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. Remember this? What, what was that a commercial for? Beer. Nothing particularly wrong with beer, I suppose. But the whole idea was is that you really can't have good friendships unless we throw a few back, and then in the act of throwing a few back and we lower our inhibitions, then friendships can naturally develop. And we all sung it, it was a cute jingle, and, and yet the Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad character, or bad company corrupts good character. Walk with the wise to become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And so, the tone and tenor of our lives is deeply impacted. So are we going to be intentional to pursue the right kinds of relationships, the right kind of friendships, or are we just going to go with the flow? You know what determines most of our friendships? 
Sociologists have studied this. Proximity. The people you hang around. The people you hang around is the single biggest determiner of two very important dynamics in your life. Who your friends are and who you're going to marry. It's, it's not some romantic notion. It's not some great intentionality. You look at who you hang around and they will become your friends. And they will, ultimately one of them, hopefully not three of them, will become the person you marry. That's kind of the way, way it rolls sometimes. You know. um, but that's the way it typically rolls. Now, now it's very, very simple. Why? Because, you know, what, listen, if you've ever been around high school kids, you've seen this. Like, you go to a party, think back to some parties when you're in college or high school, early adulthood, and you see a, a person walk through the door. You know, they don't go up to a, a, a group of people and say, I think these people are wise and are going to help me in life, and these are going to be people that are going to invest in me on a spiritual level. No, no. What, what a high school kid does, they look around the room and they, they internally begin to process Who's going to accept me? Who am I going to feel welcomed by? Now, it's not always even a conscious decision. But they look around the room, and they're making these gut-level checks of, nope, not comfortable there. Nope, don't like them. Nope, they don't like me, which is usually where it goes if they're honest. They don't like, that's what they think. They don't, so they gravitate towards the people they think are going to accept them. And for many, many people, the number one determiner of who their friends are is who they think will accept them and value them right where they are. Now, this is incredibly powerful information to parents. Parents, if your kids, if the number one determiner of who their friends are going to be is proximity, and in that proximity, if the number one determiner of who their friends are going to be are the people they think is going to accept them, the people they hang around, and then the people they're forced to be around in school, at work, in the environment, on the sports team, then you can't control every dynamic, then having some influence on what dynamics, or what, what environment they're in, that would be a powerful thing as a parent to leverage for God's agenda in that kid's life. But secondly, the desire we all have for acceptance, parents, that's a powerful tool you can leverage in the development of your relationship with your kids and in helping them understand who God wants them to be around. Don't expect them to agree with you. Don't expect them to understand themselves fully. But I'm asking you as a parent, and listen to me, follower of Jesus, I'm asking you as a follower of Jesus to not just, not just for parents today, but to think as a follower of Jesus, whether you have kids or not, how is it you have let people into your circle of influence and begin to be friends with someone? Great intentionality. Most of us know that's not the way it works. It's proximity and who we feel accepted by. And that's why God's word reveals to us, be cautious here because the potential influence on your life is huge and the potential destructive force is huge so walk with wise people we have an incredible opportunity today to take one step towards intentionality to make sure about the tone the tenor the quality of our friendships we like to think around here that spiritual friendships the healthy ones they're like they're like standing shoulder to shoulder with a buddy, like in the trenches, in warfare, doing something meaningful together, shared values. We're going to get that enemy, and we're going to do it together, and I'm going to get your back, and you're going to get mine. Shared values. Not just I was accepted. Not just we spent time together. Not just a relationship by default. You may not be able to control the people you're around, but you can have direct impact on who you let in the inner circle. If the people you choose to be with are the right kind of people, I'm not talking about the quality of people. I'm not talking about their value and worth. I'm not talking about whether or not they should be listened to and considered. 
talking about the right kind of people. For a follower of Jesus, I'm talking about the people you let into your inner circle. They have a heart that values the things you value. And when they don't do it perfectly, when they don't live up to even what they value, you know that they always return back to that place of admission. I haven't lived up to my goals. I'm not talking about finding perfect friends who never have a mistake. I'm talking about people who at the core of who they are want to want what Jesus wants for them. And for the life of the believer, there is no better friendship. There's no better way to, to catalyze your growth as a believer than to have friends like that. If the people you choose to be with are the right kind of people, the right kinds of things are most likely to happen in your life. It's not a guaranteed, it's not a science, but it's demonstrable over time, multiple generations, in multiple environments, that's generally true. If the people you choose to be with are the wrong people, not that they're less valued, not that they're less meaningful, not that they don't have worth, but if you hang around people who uh, the Bible would call them fools or scoffers, then the wrong kinds of things are happening. Because here's the truth. Every relationship I have adds to my faith or detracts from it. And there's a connection between your relationships and your faith. The people you and I are in relationships with will impact our faith. You can leverage this for your benefit or you can ignore it to your detriment. And we have an incredible opportunity today. I want you to look through my blackboard here for just a moment. I want to show you three concentric circles. These, this is, these are the friendship circles. When I taught high school, I'd show this to, to kids. Sometimes when I, with my kids, I'll show them this and you know, it kind of sounds bad when dad puts on the teacher hat at, at home, but it is what I, it, it is. All right, so um, here's the outer circle. These are the people you're familiar with. You don't really know them. You know something about them. Yet you're familiar. Most of your Facebook friends would fall into this category. You kind of know them. They kind of know you. Proximity forces you together. You know, you, you just have some shared experiences maybe, a shared college. Maybe you used to hang around. You're familiar. Here, here's the next category of friendship. It's influence. These are people who have your ear. These are people when they speak, you, you tend to listen. You may not take them completely at face value, but they don't have to do a lot to grip your heart and to grip your mind. You, don't, you let them in. These are your friends. These are your friends. Now, most of us don't ever really think about who we move from the familiar carry category to the influence carry. For most of us, it's simply a function of who we felt accepted by. And once we feel accepted and loved for who we are and fully embraced as a person or potentially fully embraced as a person, boom, instant friendship. That's the very dynamic that the scripture is trying to warn us against. You may not be able to determine who you get familiar with because you're forced in proximity to other people. But God has given you the ability and the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help you determine who you're going to allow have influence in your life. And it's that influence you allow people to have that will determine in large part the quality and the direction of your life. God loves you. He loves me enough to not let us just be victims to that process or just casual about the process or lucky because you know, it just happened to go right for us about the process. No, we can direct the process and participate with God's agenda in our lives by who we allow, who we choose to let have our ear, who we choose to allow to grip our heart. So, beyond familiar people and influential people, there's a third category. It's the intimate category. 
This is that one or two people that you let down your guard. And if they told you to jump, you would jump largely because there's trust and intimacy there. Now, a lot of people try, seems like at least, they don't have any understanding of this. And, and it's a blending of all these different categories that people get to be intimate with people they never should have been intimate with. And that creates all kinds of challenges. And they let down their guard and they don't hold their own boundaries and they make mistakes. And there are consequences sometimes for a lifetime. An influence. These, these are the people that you, you know, you let them speak to you, but, but you, you keep a certain amount of caution there as well because you're judging, are these wise choices? And the person that's proven himself over time, you let them in easier, but the newer ones, you, you don't let them in. This is the very kind of judicious, wise living that God is calling us all toward. And church is an incredibly powerful place to be if you are, as a follower of Jesus, trying to live the life God's called you to be because in a place like church... The capacity we have because of who we bump shoulders with regularly to have people who can move from just the familiar to the influential, the capacity we have for that is higher. Now listen, let's make it clear. Not everybody at church is on the same page. We, we call ourselves a hospital around here. And it may be that you found somebody you thought was a doctor that's really a patient. They're kind of sick spiritually. And you, you got to be careful sometimes, even in church. And, and the other metaphor we use around here is that church is like a, a light bulb in the middle of the darkness. That we light up the night. You ever watch a light bulb at night? You know what happens? The bugs swarm around, don't they? Sometimes at church there's a few bugs. Now, I don't know who they are. I don't know, but, but I'm just telling you, even at church, you can't assume. Wise and judicious, do they value what you value? The best basis for friendship is not simply proximity. That's natural. That's the flow of culture. It's shared values. And if they can't articulate the values or begin to articulate the values, they might not have them or at least not have them fully rooted. Now, I'm not suggesting you go up to somebody and say, I'd like to be your friend. I value Jesus. Do you? Because that's just odd. Don't do that to me. That's just odd. But it's an engagement over time. What does this look like? What does this look like? Now, this doesn't mean that you can't value people you're familiar with. No, just the opposite. In my mind, the people that you're familiar with, these are people that you hope they put you in their influence circle. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have influence in their life. You know how, how I know how powerful friendship is and the desire to be accepted is? Ask a kid. Ask yourself while I ask in this general sense this question. Have you ever lied just to keep somebody from disliking you? You ever told a non-truth just so somebody would like you and accept you and you wouldn't create ripples in the relationship? You know why you did that? Because you valued the friendship and you actually valued, it's kind of selfish, the acceptance of the friend even more than you valued the friendship. How, how about this one? Have you ever had a friend that was involved in destructive habits, destructive behavior, and you knew they were and you could see it, but you didn't tell them because you were worried about what? What were you worried about? Yourself. Yeah. You're worried about how that's going to impact the relationship and how you might feel and how they might treat you and how they might make you feel. We value acceptance. I'm asking you that when people are in the familiar category with you, you lean to try to influence them and you attempt to be a good, godly friend. Which means on occasion you have to value the friendship more than you value their liking you. And that's tough. On this intimate circle, I mean, uh, uh, this is where I meddle. And uh, as a pastor, you get two medal cards a, a year. I'm going to use one of them right now. I have seen people who let folks into their intimate circle that should never have been into their intimate circle. I let my guard down. I'm way too comfortable around you. We're together too much. We talk about things we should never be talking about. Specifically, I see this happening in marriages all the time. 
all the time. When it's a high school kid, every adult in the room is like, don't do that, that's dumb. But when it's like adult people, nobody wants to call it out. Now, this is going to make me sound old-fashioned. Let me just make it clear to you. I am old-fashioned. It's going to make me sound archaic. So be it. I passed 40. I don't care. I got a family wife that loves me. I don't really need you to like me. All right? I'm halfway kidding. I really want you to adore me personally. <laughs> but, but, but here's the truth. I have not ever known it to be helpful when a married woman has a best friend who's a guy that she's not married to. I've never known it helpful when a guy has a great friend and a woman, and he begins to confide in her, and he mostly dump on her, and talk about how bad his wife is, and shares the, the significant emotional struggles of work. I've never known that to go well. What you did is you took a person who might be able to have influence, and you put them in the intimacy circle. For most of us, if we're wanting to be married, that circle is reserved for that one person that we give ourselves fully body, soul, and spirit to. The more people you let into that circle... The heart, it just crowds out the good stuff. And the enemy would love for you to share the deepest, most intimate parts of who you are with people and do it under the context of friendship. And let me tell you what's going to be the end result for you. You're going to feel empty and hollow and alone. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. So he comes in and he says, don't do that. And in an attempt to project who we want people to think we are so they'll accept us, we'll do all kinds of goofy stuff and then we'll brag about our goofiness. We'll brag about our sin. I get concerned as a parent. This is still under the meddling card. I get concerned as a parent. I get concerned as a pastor when I see people I know. And, and the only way they can really connect is when they're throwing a few back. And then once they get enough in, they can relax and be themselves enough to connect with other people. I've never known that to go well in anybody's life. Don't be deceived. <laughs> Bad company, not bad people, not people of low character, not unintelligent people, just the company that is bad, that will corrupt to the very thing God wants to do in your life. It'll be like minimizing the propulsion system. It'll be like a, malfacture, a malfunctioning in the propulsion system of the boat of your life. And so God comes to us and he says, we have an incredible opportunity to participate with him. And make ourselves available for these providential relationships. These godly relationships. And we can invest over time. You're going to have to make time to do it. It ain't going to come natural. You're going to have to be a somewhat emotionally vulnerable. You're going to have to know your values so you can evaluate whether or not these values are yours. Or whether or not you need to stay away because they're not. You're going to have to put up, and I know this sounds harsh, some boundaries. And it's going to be hard because most of us, we just love attention. And we want to be accepted. And the burden on Four Corners Church for those of us that are leaders and volunteers, it's even more important for us among everybody in society to love and accept people where they are, but not, not have short-sighted friendship where we don't then encourage them to become who God's called them to be. We need around here to be people who accept and love, and then out of friendship and out of love for them, call them to the high standard that God calls them to. And some will not like that second part. And they'll say that we don't have grace. And we don't. One day, God's Spirit hopefully will soften their hearts to hear that wisdom and love and friendship works best when there is acceptance and there's a value for truth and wisdom. And if you're looking for a place where those kind of friendships can grow, I want to submit to you that this is it. Not the only place, but this is one of those places. We have an incredible opportunity to take a step forward on our friendships today and make sure that they're the kind 
that encourage us in the direction that God wants our life to go, that deep down we really want it to go, but sometimes we're so afraid, we're so emotionally wounded that we're afraid to risk losing a companion in search for a true godly friend. So let's do this. Let's take out our connect cards. Let's take a few steps together as a congregation. I want to take you a moment and introduce you to the greatest friend you'll ever know. His name is Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. It's pretty simple how that begins. No awkwardness involved. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm imperfect. I have blown it. I've gone my own way. But I'd like you to become the Savior and the Lord of my life. I want you to lead me. If you'd like to have a friendship with Jesus that'll last for eternity, begin now and last for eternity, we believe that you can put your faith and trust in the Lord of the universe, because the Bible tells us we can, and you can confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and he'll save you. He'll become your friend. We tell our kids in kids' ministry, he'll become your forever friend. He'll become your Lord and Savior, your forgiver and leader. Around here, we'd like you to check next step A. Put the card in the offering bucket when it comes by near the end of the service. And I pray, maybe you borrow my words or find your own to say to God, God, I'm a sinner, would you forgive me? I want you to lead my life. I commit my life to you. I want you to be my savior. How about next step B? If you want to get baptized, check that. Somebody on our team will call you, answer your questions, tell you a little bit about what we do, make sure there's a date that fits, and we'll celebrate with you. Now, in just a moment, somebody's going to get baptized here. Around here, it's a party. The first sounds they hear coming up are our hoots and hollering. We're trying to mimic the party in heaven. And if that seems irreverent to you, I just want to say to you, I want to stand next to you in heaven when there's a lot of noise. And I look at your face and realize that you feel uncomfortable. All right, so I, I just want to get a little pleasure out of that. I don't I, then God will sanctify me. We'll all be okay. Everybody be happy over there. All right, so I want, I, I want to get baptized. Next step, C. I have some boundaries to put in place. Come on, friends. Anybody got some boundaries? Let's pray about that together. How about next step, D? I want to find some ways to be more available. I got to carve out some time. I have been holding back. I've been letting hurt. Who needs to be more available? What if you pray this prayer? God... I don't know how to make friends, but would you send people in my, providentially, Lord, by your control, would you send people, and would you make me open? Would you make me open? Help me to see what you're sending in my life. Make me open. How about next step B? I want to consider investing into others by leading a small group. I'm talking about using what God's given you to influence other people. Even if you don't know about that, why don't you check it if it, if it at all speaks to you? I want to have influence in other people's life to encourage them towards Jesus. And then one of our leaders will chat with you and figure out if it's a good fit and what ways it's a good fit and whether we need to partner you with somebody else. And even if you have no experience here, if you feel the tug of God's spirit saying you can have influence on other people, think about this and at least have an intentional conversation about it. Let's pray together, worship, baptize somebody, and celebrate new life in Christ. You ready? Let's bow. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being clear with us. Thank you for being open with us. Thank you for being our friend. God, some of us have some serious business to do with you. And we thought our friendships were just that, and we haven't really considered the spiritual implications. So right now, Lord, I pray for people that need to make you their friend. They're saying, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. I'm praying for those that need to put boundaries in place. I'm praying for those that need to create space in their life to build friendships. They need to initiate and not wait on others to initiate. And I'm praying, Lord, for those that you're calling to step forward into major influence for your kingdom and for other people's good. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God. Amen. Amen.